Yeah, welcome back to Hawaii, the state of clean energy, in case you wondered. This is uh, this is Jay Fidel, and, and uh, this is Think Tech Hawaii, and we have uh, two young men from Hawaiian Electric to discuss shared solar and, and related, related programs. Uh, one is uh, Mark Wong, and the other is uh, Mike Ito. Welcome to the show, you guys. Thank you, Jay. Happy to be here. So let's talk about shared solar, because to me, it's very exciting. It's really a step forward. Um, it's going to help. It's going to make us more resilient. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a thing that needs to happen and is happening, and I'm really happy to see it happen. I think we all will be happy. Uh, Mark, can you describe what shared solar is and the status of the, status of the initiative as it exists? Yeah, happy to do so, Jay. Um, thanks again for having us on. We're very excited about this program. Um, it's been around for a little while. Um, it was first enacted by the state legislature in 2015 through Act 100. Um, we have gone live with a phase one, which went live in 2018. And we currently have two operating projects uh, with four more to come online soon. Is this related to community solar? It is. So um, officially in um, the legislature and the regulatory world, it's known as community-based renewable energy or CBRE. But when we started marketing this and talking with folks, it was really hard to understand, like, what is CBRE? So we started using the term shared solar in our phase two of the program, which makes it a little more clear uh, to folks. But essentially, in a nutshell, um, you know, we have a lot of customers that aren't able to put up rooftop solar, you know, whether they live in a condo or a rental or they have a big tree over their house. So what this program enables is uh, one of our customers, they can subscribe to a um, shared solar project that's located on the same island that they're located on. And what they do is they essentially buy an interest or a subscription to this uh, facility, like buying five panels on a uh, utility scale project. And then they would, through a mechanism, um, through their existing electric bill, receive line item bill credits that would offset their energy usage. So it's a really great program because folks that couldn't put solar on the roof before can participate and get the energy savings and be a part of the renewable energy movement. Yeah, that's fabulous. You know, uh, you know, we we had the low hanging fruit people who all came in. You know, they had the bucks. They put it on the rooftop. The developers and the installers were happy as they could be. Uh, and then the next stage, you know, people said, "I don't need that. I'm, I'm happy." just buying electrical energy from, from Hawaiian Electric. But in fact, we need to get more solar out there. The solar is a statement of resilience and it's a statement of renewables. And it's important that we do that in order to achieve our targets. So, um, you know, a community solar wasn't doing that much at the beginning. What happened, you know, to accelerate it this way and to make it so it's palatable from what you say this is something that everybody would be interested in. It sounds like it's more flexible um, somehow. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, so, you know, the name is Community Solar. So involving the community is challenging because there's a lot of different interests that have to be balanced. And I think one thing that Hawaiian Electric and our regulators have taken in mind that um, it requires like an iterative approach to figure out and learn and to improve. So we did a phase one of our program um, we got applications that exceeded our original eight megawatt capacity, um, but we learned some things from it. Um, and as a result, the capacity was um, greatly increased in phase two to over 250 megawatts 
worth of capacity. So that made it a lot more attractive for developers to invest and utilize um, economies of scale to put in larger projects and more projects. Um, so those are some of the things programmatically that we looked at, um, as well as looking at improvements for making it easier uh, to interconnect, uh, less expensive, and also working with the communities because many of these projects are sited in areas that require a lot of land. And so we worked to make sure that we put in protections um, and gave visibility and um, a two-way exchange with the community so we can make sure that these projects are sited in the best way possible. Okay, um, we're gonna come back and uh, get the details of how it works so everybody knows. But uh, let me talk to Mike for a minute. Um, now, you, you're not doing the, uh, the shared solar. The shared solar does not require an RFP because it's limited to 250 kilowatts hour. So, um, but you're doing other similar programs, what, that are bigger than that, that do require an RFP? Can you talk about your, your share of the workload here? Sure. So it's, it's really uh, still part of the shared solar program, um, but by going through the RFP, we're able to go after larger chunks of um, or bigger bigger solar systems. And so we're just conducting those uh, in conjunction with Mark and his team who will be administering the programs, um, you know, once they're built and or selected and built and, and go through that whole process. But so we, we are, we're all tied together. It's the same same program. It's just, again, allowing us to go to go after larger projects than um, just the under 250 kilowatts. Well, it's the same thing. It's uh, just a, it's, um, you need the RFP because it's not within the 250. But other than that, it's the same kind of thing, right? Same concept, uh, the same grouping of um, of consumers and so forth. Am I right? Yep. So the the larger projects will work the same way. So the the winning bidders will become the subscriber organizations, just as as Mark described. Um, and and those subscriber organizations will will have to go out and find. Uh, subscribers who want to participate and take an interest in their projects. Yeah, I don't know why, but this reminds me of the Wheeler Doctrine, Mark. You remember the Wheeler Doctrine? Isn't, they don't talk about it much anymore, but it was in Texas, where somehow um, in the, the, regulate, the regulation in Texas is way different, as we know. As we know from their last crisis, we know in Texas it's different. But, but the Wheeler Doctrine was that uh, I could generate power on my house uh, with whatever source I had, and I could uh, put a line across the street and, and sell you the power. And if I did that, uh, uh, Hawaiian Electric or any utility would not be part of it. It would, it would just be between me and my neighbor across the street. And, and that had all kinds of issues and problems attached to it. But it, 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 it makes me wanna ask you, is it possible to have shared solar, community solar, without the utility being involved? Yeah, that was a issue that came up early in our program design. And uh, a lot of these issues had to be worked out. That's why from 2015 to 2018, there was all of these discussions. But I think, um, you know, foremost for in terms of wheeling, um, we were very careful about that. And um, shared solar is not a, a, a form of wheeling, but, um, you know, that is something that's being discussed in the community. Um, right now in my area, we are exploring the concept of microgrids um, where customers can um, uh, 
create a uh, like a hybrid microgrid where they have the ability to disconnect from the grid, um, but um, you know they they um, primarily stay connected and disconnect just in emergencies. So I think for in terms of wheeling, we tried to stay away from that. Well, I, I, for good reason, for good reason, because you know, you really need to have some intermediary, some overarching organization when you have people who have may I say, no connection other than the connection. <laughs> so anyway, I, I, I'm just uh, wondering too, what's the difference between shared solar um, or, you know, of, of, of whatever size, RFB or no RFB, um, and uh, a microgrid? Uh, is it the same thing or is it different? Yeah, these will be different. Um, in our current microgrid services tariff, it's actually a rider on top of all of our existing programs, including um, uh, CBRE. Um, but they're very different in that um, we envision that these phase two projects and phase one projects are um, going to be connected to the grid all the time. Um, we do have options for energy storage and providing things like ancillary and grid services um, to support the grid. Okay, so um, I wanna do a case study with you. I'm, I'm into case studies this week. I ask everybody about case studies, so I think I'll ask you about a case study. So my name is Jay, okay, and I have a bunch of neighbors, and uh, we we call ourselves the Redheaded Club. Although no nobody can tell I'm redheaded, I actually never was redheaded, but we call ourselves the Redheaded Club, um, and we actually um, have a free, you know, an association, an unincorporated association. It's a club, okay, and we live in various parts of Oahu. Um, because, uh, you know, we get together, we have our Redhead Club meetings and everything, um, and we want to do shared solar. And we'll stay within the 250 for this part of the discussion. Um, so, uh, and, we, and we think that we want to do that. And, and we're, you know, we're entrepreneurial in nature. I mean, we, we want to we be at the cutting edge. It's what it's about for us. Okay, what do we do? How do we, how do we move forward on this kind of shared solar project? with all my buddies all over Oahu. That's exactly what we want. Um, and right now it's our call to action is for folks to get together like you're discussing and create subscriber organizations so we get more projects, get them on sooner so that we can provide benefits to our customers as subscribers. Um, so if you were interested and you had this group of friends on Oahu and you wanted to get together, um, you could look at different models like how you want to help the community. And that's one of the great things about community solar and shared solar is that um, it allows for a lot of different types of models. So, you know, if um, you wanted to create a project and site it um, in Mililani and- um, When you, you say wanted... site it, you mean that's where I'm physically putting my, exactly. my solar installation in. It could be yeah. anywhere in the island. I just have to find a venue for it, right? Exactly. So, you know, that can be a, um, a canopy over a parking lot, or it could be a rooftop on top of a business or open land. So let's say someone wants to take advantage of that because that space is not being utilized. Um, you could then partner with a developer if you don't have that expertise amongst your, your group. And um, that developer would help you um, basically put together a project that you would submit to Hawaiian Electric um, to interconnect to our grid. And so assuming you have the financing and capital to um, pay this developer um, to work and, and develop this project, 
um, for a small project, you would go to Coin Electric's shared solar website. Uh, we call it the CBRE portal, and that's at communityenergyhawaii.com. And we happen to be open for accepting applications. We're doing that in a four-month window that concludes on July 11th of this year. What happens on July 11th? Do I turn into a pumpkin? <laughs> Good question. Um, we hold a four-month procurement window um, so that we can collect um, uh, all of the proposals for projects. And Oh, it's a batch um, thing. It's a batch you thing. Gather and... them all together and act on them all at the same time. Yeah, so we take the applications and it's um, uh, as part of this, you have to determine what your bid is. So you need to bid what the credit rate is that your subscribers would receive. And the idea is that the projects that were submitted first and submitted with the best deal for the subscribers will be given priority capacity in our program. So we have a certain amount of megawatts uh, across our service territory for small projects on Oahu, Maui, and Hawaii Island. And in the event that we get more like a lot of applications and it exceeds that capacity for each of those islands, uh, we go through a reverse auction process to determine who we give capacity to. But the capacity alarms are quite large. And so we think that um, there's room for folks to submit applications on a- Why, why does there need to be a capacity? I mean, it, 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 I mean, as I see it, I mean, you could have unlimited capacity, but only be, only be helpful. But why do it need to be a capacity? Um, part of it, I think, goes back to the iteration. So, you know, we designed these windows um, that are specific in size. And we actually, um, per the direction of our regulators, actually increased that capacity um, from 20 to 30 megawatts on Oahu. Um, but it allows us to kind of like put these in different phases, different chunks. And so we do like this first allotment of small projects and we learn from it and there'll be future phases that um, could include well, kind of pilot, the program. It's a kind of pilot, you're, you're testing to see how you can handle um, this this amount of, of shared solar. And then exactly. you have another phase, is that it? Yeah, so we hope that we'll you know, have have uh, new things we learn and we'll have future phases of shared well, solar. Well, it, it strikes me that one of the things you're gonna learn is how much time and effort you have to put in to manage all this, because if you have, you're dealing with consumers, you're dealing with um, you know groups that are not necessarily within your control, but who may have questions and problems that you may have to help them with and so forth. So it sounds like to me, one of the issues to look at in going from phase one to phase two, I guess this is phase one, uh, going from phase one to phase two is uh, just exactly how much administrative management time it's gonna take to manage these various, am I right? Yeah, that is one of the roles of a subscriber organization, not just building and interconnecting these projects, but once it's built and it's delivering electricity to the grid, um, there is an administrative aspect. So you have to go out and find your subscribers. And that's where the different business models come to play. So uh, the Redhead subscriber organization, you could decide to sell subscriptions to people uh, that are in the neighborhood around the project or people that belong to the plug, uh, the club or belong to a school or a community organization. Because you can decide who your subscribers are just as long as they meet the requirements like being on the same island as the project. So what is one electric going to ask me to do? What, what's the, uh, um, you know, what are the conditions that I will have to satisfy in order to establish this and get connected and, you know, do the project? Well, especially, um, you know, for these 
types of projects, um, some level of expertise and experience. And I think that's where Is that by me or by my contractor, by your contractor. So, you know, if if you had come in and none of the folks in your organization had experience developing, um, we may, may not you know, consider the capacity, but if you were to partner with someone who did have experience building, then you could um, get in and, and uh, you know, create this organization. Okay, so you're gonna, you're gonna look to see who's involved and whether they have the experience and so forth. Uh, what else you want from me? Um, so we also wanna make sure that, um, you know, you're, you're, you can do business in Hawaii and, and those sorts of things. Um, we're gonna go through an application process which is going to be facilitated through our online portal um, where you'll have to describe um, you know details about the project and um, we want to make sure that you're able to administer those subscribers so that um, you have some sort of a plan to acquire them to market and uh, to serve those those customers administrative capacity does yeah. uh, does, the, does the utility want to know who my subscribers are um we have the ability to see that because Hawaiian Electric's role in all this is that of an administrator. So we're going to be making sure that those customers receive bill credits. But from a strategic standpoint and a goal objectives, um, we would like to see as many residential and low to moderate income customers as possible. And that's why um, we're developing this specific low to moderate income RFP. And any uh, shared solar project can have low to moderate income customers, but um, the LMI RFP is you have to commit to all of those customers being um, LMI qualified folks. So you want to make sure that this goes smoothly. You don't want it to fail. Um, so you, you want to make sure that the administration of it by the redheaded club is, is uh, solid and Absolutely. that we, we keep good records and so forth. And, what, what's the economics? Uh, do I bill me? I'm I'm the executive director of the Redheaded Club. Don't tell anybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do I bill my my consumers, my you know end users around the island, or do you bill them? Yeah, good question. So um, a lot of the administrative tasks are facilitated through our CBRE portal. So the portal allows subscribers to. Um, create a quote, customers can log in and create a quote and kind of see what sort of savings they could realize. They can see if they're qualified. So our portal will check these customers, see if they're a Hawaiian Electric customer, um, that they have an account in good standing and things like that. Um, and then they can actually sign up and um, uh, uh, get a subscription through this portal. Um, one important factor or, or feature of our program is that it truly is a community program where the agreements are strictly between subscribers and the subscriber organization. Like Hawaiian Electric doesn't play a part in that. Um, so there are payments like um, we envision kind of two models, a pay up front model, where it's analogous to rooftop solar, where you have like say $30,000 and you pay a developer to put it up on your roof. Um, but we also have a model um, called pay as you go, which is more like a lease. And um, that means the Hawaiian Electric will actually advance the money to build the facility? Did I get that right? Um, it's, this is just uh, the subscription. So what I'm saying is that a uh, uh, subscriber organization would um, bill the subscriber directly um, in order to purchase the subscription. 
Okay, but, I see. This is um, only for the the subscription then, not correct. for the actual construction. It's just correct. it's the club, the club economics. Yeah, the Reddit club. Yes. Let me let me move to uh, Mike, or uh, you know, he'll he'll forget who I am. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mike, you know, you you're different. You're you're different than Mark. I know you are, and um, you you require RFPs. So when Mark says that by a certain date, you know, groups have to submit applications and Hawaiian Electric is going to look at them and in a batch and decide who, you know, would would get would get permission to do a um, non RFP shared solar project. It's different for you, right? How does it work for you procedurally? And how does it work for the, what do you want to call it, the shared solar company, the redheaded club, who is actually exceeding 250 kilowatts? Uh, sure. So in a lot of ways, it's similar to what Mark described, um, just the way they have their uh, sort of cutoff coming up in July. We've opened an RFP um, for uh, exclusively for LMI subscriber projects. So that one opened in uh, in March, and it'll be open until May 17th. Um, and so developers who are interested in becoming subscriber organizations have that time to put their bids together, uh, submit it through, uh, we have an electronic platform that we take sealed bids and, and uh, all the way up until the deadline. And so they have that period to make those uh, project submittals and uh, sort of just staggered a little bit from that. We have another RFP uh, also for CBRE, but that one is not limited to just uh, LMI subscribers, uh, though even in that one, we do, do encourage it and, and give some preferential scoring if, if you do make those type of commitments. When you have RFPs, you're competing, right? Who's competing for what? Uh, you have multiple possibilities for a given project, or uh, is it a group project that they're competing for? Um, so similar to like uh, other uh, larger renewable energy procurements that the company's done in the past, um, you know, it's up to the, the developers to choose a site, you know, so they can identify any site, they have flexibility on the size of their project. And so depending on, um, you know, what they decide to submit, we can then compare the different ones to see which ones provide the most value to customers. And so that's so, where the competitive so side comes in. If I have my redheaded club, mm -hmm. um, then um, and I want to get a, uh, and it's more than 250 kilowatts. Um, if, uh, if I, if I want to get a, a, a developer in, I might say to developer one, two, three, and four, whatever, how many there are available to me, would you guys please submit RFPs to Hawaiian Electric? And then what? Hawaiian Electric will look at what you're proposing and decide which one of you is the best one for this site for the redheaded club. How, how far off am I when I describe it that way? Um, so, so when you submit it, it would sort of be a package deal. So the redheaded club would be partnering with uh, you know, the developer, whatever other experts you need uh, to provide a proposal. And so that proposal would then compete against the other proposals that we receive. For that site? Like. For that uh, site. For, no, just for, uh, well, it's for that island. And so, um, again, there's there's flexibility on, you know, you can oh, choose a site wherever you want to throughout the island and, and make your submittal based on based on that. 
but is it just for my club or for all of the solar installations under this program? So in this case, it would be like your club is making a uh, a bid or a proposal. So you would have already partnered with whoever else you need to, a solar contractor, whatever other expertise you need to put this together. Um, and together you'd be submitting a single bid um, that would compete against, you know, other folks similar to yourself that are that have put together proposals for other sites. Okay, so your so, your deadline for this is uh, what did you say it was May sometime? Um, yeah, May seventeenth for the 17th. LMI RFP. That's my lucky day, by the way, just in case you're wondering. Um, uh, but on the other hand, uh, Mark's program, the one Mark was describing, um, the deadline is uh, July eleventh. That's my other lucky date. Um, so what, what, you're 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 faster. Um, why is your deadline so much earlier than July 11th? Uh, th there's no no particular reason, uh, you know, for for the the difference. It's we've we've just structured the RFPs to be able to allocate enough time to get proposers to bid in, uh, and like I said, then there's there'll be a subsequent one shortly after that um, for non, you know, that's not required to be LMI subscribers. So there's a couple of opportunities for folks to bid into the larger projects as well. Okay, so the, 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 and this is all part of the phase one um, that we're talking about, right? This, this, the phase is the same for both um, the 250 and the above 250, right? Uh, I believe technically this is considered phase two marking, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, this, is, right. this is phase two. Phase one was the smaller one, but there were no RFPs or, or large okay. projects as part of that one. So when will it all be settled down? When will you know? When will they know? When will the redheaded club know? Uh, <laughs> when it's all you know, when we're ready to ready to build, for example. Uh, well, if it's related to you know, if if you was for the LMI RFP, then you know we go through the process of evaluating the projects and making our selections, and and that's uh, targeted to be uh, mid November of this year to award. Uh, for for that RFP. Okay, then I have all my papers. I'm ready to go. Or do I need something else? I need a what a building permit beyond that. Yeah, there'd probably be a number of permits, and and you know that's actually part of our review process to ensure that um, the folks providing the bids are aware of and have done their sort of due diligence to make sure they know what they need to do. Even once we do give them that award for that project, so they can you know move quickly to get that project online. So have you re received any RFPs so far? Uh, the way the way our system works is it's all blind for us. So we don't get to see what's been submitted until the deadline passes. Mm, okay. All right. Let's go, let's go back to Mark for a minute. Uh, so M Mark, how much of, uh, of what Mike said do you agree with on a percentage basis? A hundred percent, 110%. <laughs> <laughs> What would you what would you add to that? Uh, you know, as as compared between the two, the, you know, two fifty plus two two fifty more. Um, well, I think you know generally shared solar is a new concept, and you know it's starting to get up to speed on the mainland too, um, and it's complicated. So um, I want to make a plug for um, a virtual session that we're going to be having. Um, Tonight at 6.30, you can email uh, sharedsolar at hoinelectric.com to uh, get the information to log in. But we'll be holding more of these sessions. We have another one on April 13th. So we invite anyone who's kind of 
wanting to learn more kind of on the fence or kind of looking at this, um, we'd be happy to explain a little bit more about it. Oh, that's so, that's so great, serendipitous. That's two hours away. I'm so glad. It's perfect timing. <laughs> perfect timing, yeah. What are you gonna cover? Um, we're gonna cover some of the um, aspects about the program in a little more detail, um, kind of what questions you asked, like what does this look like for the redheaded club? Um, what do I need to do to take my next steps to make this happen? Well, I, you know, I use that as a, as a case study because um, the redheaded club is, is not a, it's not a, it's not a reason for having a business organization. It's pretty, it's pretty social, if, if anything, and uh, they may not know each other that, that well and so forth. <laughs> what, what, the reason I raised it is, and suggested as a case study is that really anybody can do this. Um, as long as I get together and make a, a viable organization and, and have some administrative, you know, administrative function, um, then I can approach you. And, um, but here's the question I would put to you, both of you. Why? Why would I do that? Um, why would I use the shared solar, community solar, you know, avenue at this point rather than any other? For just like any renewable energy project, there's going to be um, a business model out of it. So, you know, folks can do that. But primarily the program is to help your community out. That's why we want this, these projects to be kind of born out of the community. Um, and it's really to help your neighbors, help your, your, your the, you know, the people of the state of Hawaii um, realize the goals and realize energy savings at the same time. Because right now the energy future isn't equal. Um, and this kind of evens the playing field. Yeah, it allows me to get a piece of solar, even though I wouldn't otherwise do it. That's the tremendous, uh, tremendous benefit. But let me turn to, to Mike. Now with Mike, um, you're talking about RFPs. RFPs um, presumably are competitive in the sense of, of, of rates. So when the RFPs are dropped on your desk in a, in a, after the deadline, of course, you're, you're going to compare them for rates and you're going to pick the rate that is most attractive to, to the consumer. So presumably, I'm only asking, I'm guessing here, presumably the consumer who is in one of your projects, Mike, lower rate because of that competition. Am I right? Um, so uh, when we do make the selection for the project, you know, for the winning projects, um, it does take into price into consideration the price of of the proposal is obviously an important part of it. There are other um, non price uh, criteria that we look at, including like I think Mark touched on earlier with experience. Um, you know, and the other ones include like community outreach plans and cultural resource uh, impact. So we want to make sure that, again that these projects are uh, friendly for. Uh, our communities as well. So it's not just price, but in the end, you know, the energy that that is created from these projects uh, serves really all customers, not, you know, the certainly those who are subscribed um, have a specific interest in it because they'd be the ones with the um, subscription to the project. But this energy obviously serves all of our customers. So we still want to try to ensure that, um, you know, we're paying a competitive price for for the energy that's going out out across the grid. So here's my last question to you, Mike. <clears throat> so my redheaded club uh, only needs 
like um, 240, was it megawatts? No, megawatts, kilowatts. 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 Um, it only needs 240, but you know, if you tell me I'll be better off if I do 260, maybe I'll do that. Should I do that? I'll get some more, I'll get some more subscribers. I'll get people maybe who are blonde instead of redheaded. I'll, I'll, I'll give them a waiver. They don't have to be completely redheaded, okay? They can, they can join my group. Are they better off? Are we better off? My group, is it better off to get more and cross that threshold? Don't worry, um, Mark, I'll give you a chance to comment on this too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, participating in the competitive bidding side of it, um, it's hard to say because you don't know who your competition is until after the bids are unsealed. So, um, you know, it could go could go either way uh, from us. From our perspective, obviously, we want to get as much um, community uh, solar going as we can. So, we'd encourage folks to to take the leap. But you know, it there there are differences, and so um, it it may work one way or the other. I think you'd have to really dig into the details a little bit. But the more, the better. Okay, yeah, I would certainly want to consider that, you know, if there's a, a real benefit in getting 5,000 members of my red, I don't think there are 5,000 redheads in all of Hawaii, by the way, um, but let's assume uh, I, I'm, I have the ability to get 5,000 people, that might, I might want to consider that, I think, I'd have to do the sharp pencil and all that, but I might want to consider that, hmm, interesting possibilities. So, um, uh, Mark, your your opportunity to comment on on this uh, really interesting choice um, of determining the number of people in my club and the amount of you know capacity they want to buy. Yeah. Um, again, I, I agree with uh, with Mike. Um, the larger projects um, are going to be able to serve more customers, and they're probably taking advantage of economies of scale and things like that. Um, but 250 kilowatts is that magic number. Once you go above that, you have to compete um, through the RFP process, and that may not be for everyone. Um, the advantage it'll of take the less than it'll take it'll longer. take longer. Yep, more resources, that sort of thing. But um, you know, it, it is a good process. A lot of the community members we spoke to like that because it provides a lot of transparency um, from the bidder. But if you're looking for a more streamlined process that is quicker, um, below 250 kilowatts has its advantages too. Um, being able to go through an interconnection process faster and getting those projects online sooner. And that's actually one reason that the capacity for small projects was increased because we recognize that there's an opportunity to get more projects in that. Yeah, I, I get the same feeling from just talking with you for a few minutes here. Well, thank you very much, Mark and Mike. Thank you very much for joining us on ThinkTech and discussing this. I hope you have a good, um, a good session at 6.30, that's two hours away, no pressure. Uh, and I hope we can talk to you about this and related projects again soon. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Thanks Mike. for the opportunity. Aloha.
Thank you so much for watching Think Tech Hawaii. If you like what we do, please like us and click the subscribe button on YouTube and the follow button on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and donate to us at thinktechhawaii.com. Mahalo.